Taylor Decker's on my all 22 fantasy team, by the way. Stop. Stop it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Taylor. I don't care, and I'm in the league. I'm just trying to hype up the future of fantasy football yeah. here. They told me we could hype it up. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. That's one of the I, it's my rules way. of broadcasting. Regardless of the medium, they don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right? Your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is gonna, it's gonna change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. Hello and welcome to the All 22 Podcast. My name is Chris Lombardi and I'm joined by Bobby Acker and Ray Cotto and we are the co-founders of All 22. Guys, good morning. How are we doing? Morning. Doing awesome. Saw the uh, release of the training camp uh, dates come out yesterday. So we're in the uh, slow time of the off season, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We're almost there. Guys, we should go. Three of us. Let's go to Giants Giants training camp, man. It'll be fun. Where, where do they have you guys? It? You guys, you guys will walk out of there, Giants fans. Um, they have it at the at the new Giants Stadium at MetLife. They don't, they, don't go to Albany, they don't go to Albany anymore. Yeah, I'm only going to ever call it Giants <laughs> Stadium. But, yeah, they don't have yeah, it at Albany Giants anymore. And, for those of you not in New York, it's the Giant Jet Stadium. No, it's not. It's, no, it's, not. it's not great. It's called MetLife, I think. It's called MetLife. It'll always be Giants Stadium. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it's kind of like a, it's like ranking season, right? Like every site is just like putting out rankings and, uh, you know, it's a lot of confusing information for, for people to, to grasp. But we're going we're gonna to do an all-all-pro team, uh, all-all-22 team. And uh, last week we discussed offensive players. This week we're going to be discussing defensive players. So um, we're going to go through our list of the top players that we would take if we were starting a team today and focusing on defense. So guys, let's jump into that. Uh, starting with the defensive interior. Ray, you're going to kick it off with uh, our number one defensive player, which is Aaron Donald. No surprise. It is Aaron Donald. Uh, he's played for eight seasons and has eight seasons with a greater than 90 PFF grade. So just absolutely outstanding, elite in pretty much every single way. Um, I mean, 31 years old, but that doesn't really scare us because he's still just, there's no signs of slowing down whatsoever from him. He's really a unicorn at the position. He's really booing the entire position. Um, as far as contracts are concerned and performance overall, he pressures the quarterback as if he were an edge rusher. Uh, I mean, he just, he's everything you look for and want in a, in a defensive interior player. Uh, he checks every single box, and he's just a matchup nightmare, regardless of who's on the other side of him. So, no surprise, Aaron Donald's the first one on the list. Awesome, yeah. Go ahead, Bobby. I'll say something to the contrary, though. So, like, he's about to—he nearly retired this off season, right? What's to say that he, he doesn't retire after just one more year? Like, obviously, he belongs on this list, but like, are you going to target well, him where his ADP is? You, you questioned what stopped or what's changing him from like, you know, wanting to retire year over year. And the answer is money. He got yeah. paid. My man got paid. Right. So I don't think he's going to retire. I think that was a ploy to get a paycheck. Ray called it out. He's buoying the position. Uh, you know, I think I've only had one good tweet so far. And I think that was it. Uh, Aaron Donald is not just the highest paid defensive interior. He's actually the highest paid edge player too. And he does rush the passer, passer a considerable amount so it makes sense for him to be considered in that list. Um, you know, the the reason he's an outlier, though, is because it's Aaron Donald, five edge players, 
before we would even talk about the next defensive interiors contract. So um, Aaron Donald really is that outlier. Uh, I have full confidence in taking a 31-year-old Aaron Donald because, you know, like Ray said, he's just he's not slowing down. All right, so our defensive interior number two is a guy that I actually drafted on my very first All-22 team, which is Chris Jones. He's 28 years old. He had an 82.8 PFF grade last year, and he was the uh, he was the number seven pass rusher in the NFL last year. Uh, out of all of our uh, defensive interiors, he was number two. Um, so last year we actually saw like a slight dip in his grading. The Chiefs decided to move him around that that defense, thinking that he's kind of like a chess piece, right? Which which he is, and he did well at. But you saw a drop in his grade because he isn't really an edge rusher. He's he's built more like a defensive interior. That's really his bread and butter. So we saw that slight dip. But this year the Chiefs went and they drafted George Karloftis uh, at edge, which should be able to um, help Chris Jones, not just by having another guy pressuring the quarterback, but also by allowing Chris Jones to stay at his true position of defensive interior. Um, before before this season. Jones had four consecutive years with a PFF grade over an 88, which is absolutely elite. Um, I think this year he gets right back to that. Yeah, it's funny. Last year I, I I took a bunch of Chris Jones stock because of what you did in our first year. Um, and then I remember being pretty disappointed by those those first few games where he was lining up at edge a lot. I'm like, wow, I got burned taking Chris's advice, you know. But, um, yeah, no, I think he's going to be the player that we expected him to be, so – I'm going to stock up again. I'm going to take your advice again. Hopefully that doesn't burn me again. Yeah, I'm going to say that I didn't burn you. I think you said Chris, just like generally. I'm thinking you were calling out Chris Jones. So at Chris Jones, uh, Bobby had a problem with your play last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, usage is just incredibly important. I think this this really shows that, right? We talk about usage a lot as far as how someone is used and scheme fit. And yeah, when they tried to move him around, it was still a good player, but he wasn't the dominant force we were used to. So to see him sort of move back into a, a, a true interior type player, I think is going to help him big time. And he's still young enough where you get some good years out of him. So yeah, I, I think he definitely belongs here at number two. Awesome. Who wants to take uh, the first edge rusher? I got you guys. So Miles Garrett, the first edge rusher off the board. I think that's a pretty easy pick, right? He's 26 now with five seasons of elite play under his belt. So you know who Miles Garrett is at this point at a high value position. That's incredibly important. Graded over an 86 in each of his last four seasons. His best season came last season with a grade of a 92. So to, to think that Miles Garrett's only getting better coming into 2022, that he's getting into the prime of his career. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty scary. So yeah, I definitely think, uh, Miles Garrett's the no-brainer, number one overall edge pick uh, right here. Yeah, I, I can't disagree. I think I think he's at the top of the list for sure. Um, everything you mentioned, elite play, elite traits, elite athleticism, great age. I mean, it's just he, he's, he's the entire package. There's really not much more to say other than that. You see yeah. like Von Miller and Khalil Mack still grading well, going into like almost 32 years old. Miles Garrett could easily be one of those guys. Six years of near elite edge play, that's a big deal for your All-22 team. One of the things I'm most excited about Garrett is uh, not only has he been elite for six years or whatever you had said, but he's actually improved every year. So it's not just that he's, you know, grading above an 86. He's incrementally graded above that, right? So like one year it might be an 81, the next year was 83, and then all the way to 92. So 
you know, could we actually see him get even better, right? Um, as he becomes this leader of that Cleveland Browns defense, uh, you know, I, I think he could grade better at just 26 years old. So I'm excited and I'm, I'm drafting. I would say he's probably the second most valuable player besides Aaron Donald. So um, that has me excited more than anything else. You would take Aaron Donald over Miles Garrett right now? Aaron Donald at 31, Miles Garrett at 26. It's tough because of that outlier aspect, right? So like where I would want to look at the numbers and understand who is the different, you know, who has the most difference between him and the next guy below him. You know, I think there are several good edge rushers and we'll have a conversation about those later. Uh, other guys that we might take, but at defensive interior, is there another guy that you would confidently take for the next, you know, three years over Aaron Donald? Yeah. I don't, I don't know There's if it's close. Definitely some position scarcity at, at DI. So I definitely get that point. But the fact that edge is so important, maybe it kind of sways you in favor of Miles Garrett. But It would be close. It would definitely be yeah. close. Yep. All right. Next guy we have at, at edge is Max Crosby. So he'll be 25 when the season starts. It's kind of a controversial pick here at the edge number two spot. People let us know that on social media, which is fine. Um, graded at 65.4 in 2019. 57.8 in 2020, and a 91.4 in 2021. So we're kind of rolling the dice out here in Vegas, and we think that the 2021 version of Max Crosby is who Max Crosby is going to be. If you look at it game by game, you'll probably tend to agree with us because if you look at if you look at his game by game PFF grades, he was in the high 70s to 90s almost every week. I think there was only two weeks where didn't grade so hot, but to think that for the other 15 games, six, uh, 14 games of the season, whatever it is, the fact that he graded between you know all those green and blue grades, that's insane. You don't see that t- type of consistency anywhere. Yeah, and he rushed the passer at an insane level. I, don't, I think he was um, number one overall in pressures last year, uh, and it was almost at like a historic level. I remember during the season they were showing him compared to guys like Aaron Donald and, and guys like that who have a hundred pressures. I think JJ Watt in his uh, defensive player of the year season was the only guy to have more pass rushes above Max Crosby last year. And besides that, he was the fourth graded uh, pass rusher last year in terms of pass rush grade. So, you know, that like, he's not just getting the statistics. He's also being productive and doing it at a high level. Um, so yeah, I have full confidence. He's 20. He played last year at 24. He's going to be 25. You could have him, like Bobby said, you could have these guys till they're 32 years old. So, you know, do you want him for another seven years? You know, that's that's an incredible value to have. Yeah, certainly people make cases for TJ Watt being in this conversation, but I don't know, I kind of I kind of feel okay with, with Max Crosby here. Okay. Ray, do you want to kick off linebacker? Yeah, so uh, at linebacker, the first name up is Micah Parsons. Right, only 23 years old, graded you know just under 90 grade uh, last year is the highest grade for any linebacker in 2021. Uh, we mentioned earlier that Miles Garrett was second in in, in uh, pass rush grade in the league, and that's actually behind Micah Parsons, um, and he was again a 22 year old rookie. So and he had a 93 uh, pass rush grade, so which is just absurd for a, a rookie 
at, let alone a rookie that's playing multiple positions at, you know, lining up at linebacker, lining up at edge. You actually saw him even at, at slot corner and, and deep downfield coverage. There's that one, you know, clip against, uh, against the Giants, uh, you know, deep downfield where he's breaking up passes, uh, you know, deep downfield against slot receivers. He really just, just does it all. And, you know, rushing the passer is a great way to obviously have a great PFF grade if you can make an impact in that aspect of the game. And again, to do that as a as a 22 year old rookie was is just something you don't see very often. Let alone a rookie playing multiple positions, and one of those positions being linebacker, which usually has a pretty steep learning curve before you actually see a nice, uh, you know, bump in performance for players. So yeah, Micah can just do it all. He's literally just a weapon on the field. Um, you know, see ball, get ball, whatever. He just he just makes game breaking plays and. The trajectory is definitely, you know, pointing way up for him. So I think it's a pretty easy pick here to go with Micah as uh, the first linebacker on the team. What school did he go to? He, he went to linebacker U. That's that's Penn State University. Take a drink. You're whoever's so, listening. Yeah. You look so happy to talk about Micah Parsons. It's so nice. Yeah. If we if we had more time, you know, we, we could do a whole episode on Micah Parsons if you want. Maybe no, we can't. Maybe that'll be no, a, we can't. a bonus, <laughs> bonus episode. So, so far we've talked about defensive interior edge and linebacker all positions that are lined up in the box, right? Thing that we focused on, right, is how well they rush the passer. So far, we've talked about that for everyone we've spoken about. Uh, having a 23-year-old linebacker that rushes the passer as well as Micah Parsons does, again, we're talking about outliers. He is an outlier. Um, he lined up two, uh, like two-fifths of his snap at edge as well, right? So Ray talked about him being a hybrid Um being able to do those things at such a high level, rush the passer, go into coverage, like the, it's a, it's exceptional. So again, another outlier that might set your team apart if you get him early. All right. I will jump into Darius Leonard. So another linebacker that blew away expectations as a rookie is now in his fifth year as a pro and hasn't missed a beat. So Leonard can do it all. He, he accumulated 30 pressures, um, and a pass rusher grade above a 70. He's as sure of a tackle as you're going to find in the NFL, even though he's an undersized guy. People talk about that a lot. He's only like 230 pounds. I think he's like 6'1 or 6'2. Um, so he's not like a big body linebacker, your traditional linebacker. But that's actually worked to his advantage because he's a guy that can also step into coverage, similar to uh, Michael Parsons. Um, and he played actually 111 snaps from the slot last year. So, you know, he's a guy that does it all. Um, a guy that I want on my team and his 11 career interceptions just kind of help that. One of those guys, right? He's like an IDP stud and he's also good in this game, right? <laughs> so many times in like IDP settings, you see like guys that get a lot of tackles, a lot of, you know, a lot of statistics, but maybe aren't the best linebackers. Darius Leonard does it all, right? Um, he's a stud. Definitely Absolutely. a case to be made for Fred Warner here. Um, but I don't know. I, I also like Darius Leonard a little bit better. Yeah. He, he's the modern sort of the new age linebacker. He's built for today's game with his athleticism, his size, or some might say lack thereof. Um, but he's, he's the guy that can really keep up with those fast offenses in space nowadays that you see in the league. So he's, he's a perfect fit for today's game. Yeah. And at the linebacker position, I think you're going to find a lot of guys that have kind of uh, grading instability. And I think Fred Warner was one of them. Like last year, I kind of had that kind of what you were talking about before, Bobby. Like I took some people's advice and I took Fred Warner thinking that I was getting top two linebacker in the NFL and he wasn't last year, right? He wasn't as consistent. 
Darius Leonard, year over year, he's been a consistent guy. He grades extremely well every single year. So he's the guy that I would take. It's it's tough. The volatility is tough. I, going into last year, two of my favorite linebackers were Deion Jones and Devin White, right? Two really fast guys play all over the field, right? Graded in the 30s. <laughs> Graded in the Jeez. 30s. You don't even touch them going into this year. It's, uh, it's a tough position to fill. Yeah, that's, that's a draft guide thing that we're, we're definitely putting in there, right? It's like, don't go for the name. Look at the grade. Do your research because you're going to see names that you are going to think are guys that you're going to love that are going to grade really well. But when you really look at it and when you start to break down their film, you're going to catch the things that, that uh, push them down our draft boards. Okay. Um, corner. Let's uh, jump in. So number one is Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey is a 27-year-old stud. He's one of the easiest people we're going to have to talk about, right? There aren't that many corners in the NFL just with, like, the size that Ramsey has that, that line up and can be a true number one corner every single game. Ramsey has the side and the speed to do that. Um, he's played at an elite level every year of his career. He doesn't have significant instability in his grade, which is rare at corner. Um and yeah, he hasn't had a grade below a 70. So in the last three years, he hasn't given up a 600-yard season, which is incredible thinking about the, the amount of targets that he's had. I think last year he had 93 targets against him and had less than 600 yards in receiving against him. Um, and then, yeah, his uh, 86.3 coverage grade led all corners last year. So he's a guy you can you can draft, feel very confident in. Uh, age 27 year old, years old, maybe that's the only thing you want to start thinking about just because corner is a speed game. It's a young man's game. You might, you might have some questions there. Yeah, it's a tough position to fill. I feel like if you can get a gold jacket caliber player like Jalen Ramsey, go get him. Don't overthink it. Um, even in the, this last season of the 16 games he played, 11 games he graded above a, six, a 65. So I think that kind of... Um, that kind of consistency at corner, especially, is the exception. It's certainly not the rule. Yeah, we, we talked about for the for the first three positions, you know, interior edge and linebacker, about the exceptions, right? And guys like Aaron Donald or, or Micah Parsons and, and guys that give you a distinct advantage for how well they play at those positions that may not be very deep, such as linebacker. But Jalen Ramsey's the exception in another aspect in the sense that corner is so volatile year to year and sometimes week to week, right? That when you get an elite guy like Jalen Ramsey, you get that consistency. So that's another way that you sort of separate yourself from the pack, you know, week to week is that you don't have so much of those ebbs and flows if you have a guy like Jalen Ramsey leading your cornerback position. So, um, you know, whether you want to call it an, an exception at the position, it's just another way to, to really get a leg up when you have a guy like Jalen Ramsey on your roster. Right. Like these, like these next two guys on our list might not be on our list next year. Right. Um, such a volatile position. So speaking of the next guy on the list, um, we've got EJ Terrell uh, from Atlanta. Turns 24 this season. He made a name for himself in 2022 by posting an 82.6 overall defensive grade. That's fourth in corner in cornerbacks. Um, there was an 11 great 11 game stretch of the season last year where AJ Terrell only graded below a 72 times. That's, that's pretty wild to have that kind of consistency at 24 playing a really tough position unheard of. Um, so extremely rare, especially rare for a second year player. I 
think there's plenty of good football ahead of AJ Terrell. I think that's clear as day. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm certainly targeting him early in all 22 drafts. For sure, you're taking him and feeling confident. And then the the third corner that we have because we're we're using a nickel is uh, Jari Alexander and Ray. I'm taking this because I let you have Micah. But uh, while while Ramsey has been extremely consistent and Terrell has only shown kind of like the rise of his career, Jari is a different example. So Jari, um, he had, you know, I think this is going to be his fourth year, but he's had a significant injury. He had a significant injury last year where he missed a significant amount of the season. I think he missed 13 games, uh, came back for the playoffs against San Francisco and looked like a mess. So he clearly wasn't healthy. You know, you just have to hope that he's coming back this year healthy. Um, but the reason he's on our list is because you can't ignore what he did in 2020. Uh, he led all corners in both coverage grade and PFF grading uh, over a 90 in those areas. He's, you know, we talked about um, Jalen Ramsey this year being the, the top rated quarter at, corner at 86, at an 86 grade. Jari's was above 90 last year. So, um, you know, we, we saw elite, elite play from him. Uh, but but the injury bug is real, so you you have to take that into consideration. He's 25 years old. He isn't the same build as Jalen either. He's a much slimmer corner. Um, things that might might be concerning to you, but he's still a guy that I would feel comfortable taking as the third corner off the board. You got to think, right? If you're worried about his injury preventing him from returning to that elite form, elite form, you got to think the Packers aren't. They just made him the highest paid corner in the league, so. I think that's mm-hmm. got to give you some confidence. I still think he belongs um, in this top three. Yeah. And one other thing I didn't mention, uh, we didn't get to see him with Eric Stokes. Eric Stokes did really well in his rookie year, but was asked to do a lot because of Jari's absence. So I can see with Jari back being the number one guy, but having Stokes across from him, you know, they're, that defense is going to be even better now. Um, and I think uh, it, it, it'll only help Jari's grade. Cool. Defense is going to have to be a little better over there. Just saying, but relax, relax. All right. Who wants to kick off safety? Sure. I will grab Derwin James. Derwin James is our first safety on the list. Um, pretty easy pick here. 26 to start the season. Um, over the last three seasons, grades of 88.3, 82.3, 78.1. Um, coverage grades at 76.6 and 76.5 for run defense. So I think uh, having a good coverage grade, especially in that division, is going to be huge for Derwin James and, and the type of stability you can expect from him. Um, I think at this point the Chargers would be foolish not to pay him. You kind of know what you're getting out of Derwin James at this point. Um, he's got a stable stable coaching staff, it seems like. you know. It's, I, I don't anticipate the Chargers being – a losing team with any coaching turnover, even in that division. Um, so stable coaching staff, solid grades in his first season with Ronaldo Hill. I don't think Ronaldo Hill is going anywhere. So, um, yeah, I definitely think Derwin James is one of the easier picks here, although I don't know if he'd be my top two, um, but he's definitely one of the elite safeties in the league, and he should be drafted as such. Yeah, safety is a hard position. We we – Saw Derwin deal with some injuries. I made a note because it's funny uh, that the NFL podcast won't even say his name because they feel like they hex him every time they say it um, just because he does have injury history and he's missed time. Um, and last year he was coming off of one of those injuries similar, um, similarly 
you know, to, to what we were talking about, Jari, that, you know, having a guy that misses significant time should maybe give you, like, make you pump the brakes when you're talking about, like, making him your number one guy. Um, so you might, you know, he might be some, somebody you let somebody else take first, right? And then you just get somebody yeah. a little later. Um, the, but, there are concerning things, which we'll go into. <laughs> I'll go into after. Oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh, everyone. All right, Ray, you want to take uh, safety number two? Yeah, um, I, I think it, maybe the name will surprise some people. Maybe it won't. Um, it, it, it mildly surprised me, but in really looking at it, it's Javon Holland. Um, you know, came in as a rookie and really just head first, just played at a very high borderline elite level. Um, you know, graded exceptionally well, just about an 85 grade for the season. His coverage grade uh, was above an 87, and he had a solid run defense grade as well. So he really just, as an all-around safety, just played very well down there in Miami as a rookie uh, and at a position that in the league right now is not terribly deep with a lot of great playmakers. Uh, you know, that that's that's all that you really need to do, and you can find yourself at the top of some of these lists. So, um, you know, assuming that continued trajectory and, and comfort in the league as as he has a year under his belt, belt and he gains more experience, uh, I'm not sure there's many or any other names I'm taking above Javon Holland right now, given his age, his production, and the well-rounded production that we've seen from him. He's, he's an all-around safety that's playing at a high level at an extremely young age on a team that's you know rapidly improving. So uh, a lot of things in Javon Holland's favor here, and that's how he ends up as our safety number two. One of the one of the best things I saw with Javon Holland that happened for him this offseason was the fact that Miami retained their defensive coordinator, Josh Beyer, even though even though they obviously had the, the the head coaching change with Mike McDaniel. So the fact that he stays on and he can stay in the same system, I think that's huge for Javon Holland. I think if if we had seen them kind of do a complete overhaul, you might think, okay, maybe he has like a, a Jesse Bates type year where, you know, he kinda his grades kinda dip a little bit. But I think he's definitely not a household name like you touched on, Ray, but I think he will be. So probably best to draft him now while he's not and keep him so that way when he is a a, uh, a household name, you've got a ton of value in your in your safety room. Yeah, so we, we, um, we only had a few rookies make this list, right? It was Creed Humphrey, uh, Jamar Chase, Michael Parsons, and the last one, Javon Holland. Was there anybody else? I think that's it. So it's pretty pretty amazing that he's in that conversation because the other guys are all household names, right? Like you you hear all of the other guys' names pretty consistently, you know, and that's even Creed Humphrey you hear pretty consistently. But hearing Javon Holland be part of that group should show you how special he is and how special he's going to be. Cool. So guys, we we that's our defensive team, the all all twenty two defense. Um, so now let's jump into other guys that we might take ahead of some of those. If it's you making this decision and not our equation, giving us a result, let's start with the defensive interior. Did either of you have a guy that you would take ahead of Aaron Donald and, um, and Chris Jones or, or anybody you would want to at least have in that conversation? I'm saying no with an asterisk. I will, I'll get to that one later. But yeah, as of right now, I'm saying no. Those those are my two guys. Yeah, th- those are the top two interior defensive players for me. Um, I, I I can't envision a scenario where I would take someone over them unless I'm going into a draft saying I am 
I'm just totally rebuilding, which I think we've mentioned in our guides before might not be the wisest thing to do. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's those two for sure. And I don't know, you're going to have to make a really good argument and sell me on someone like, I don't know, a Jordan Davis or something. The position is not very deep with elite players. Um, but if you, if you want to sit here and argue with me that, you know, Jordan Davis is going to be asked to play the run really well out there. And in Philly, he's going to do that job is, you know, and he's surrounded by great talent and he's super young and, and that could be someone to build around. Okay. I'll listen. I'm not sure he's one of the top two guys off my board, but I'll hear you out. Yeah. I think those are, that's you guys uh, hit it on the head. I could see a world where next year, Aaron Donald, because of his age might start slowing down. Uh, and if that happened, you know, I think, Jeffrey Simmons is a guy that would start to enter the conversation. Uh, Vita Vea might be another guy. And I think Jordan Davis, if he performs well, could be one of those guys. I see a lot of similarities between Jordan Davis and Vita Vea. Uh, big guys that are going to be asked to pass rush, even though you know their bread and butter is probably to play the run. Um, and that's something Vita Vea has done at an elite level. 30 pass rushes last year, um, 30 hurries last year, nine quarterback hits. So, you know, if he can do it, Jordan Davis very well could. And Jordan Davis is, what, 21 years old? So it could happen. There's a world where it could happen. Okay, so let's go to edge. Um, this is a position that we already talked about that, you know, the guys that we had on that list are debatable. It's a very deep position. So is there anyone that you would take, maybe not over Miles Garrett, but is there anyone you would take over Max Crosby? I think TJ Watt jumps into the conversation a um, little bit older than Max Crosby, but I still think he belongs in that conversation. I definitely, I've done a few drafts already and I've seen him drafted over Max Crosby in just about every single one of them. I think because, I think because Max Crosby had those two seasons where he didn't grade so well before this last season where he graded at, at an elite level. Um, but I understand it. I'm still taking Max Crosby. I go with the younger guy. I do think, like like I said before, I do think the 2021 version of Max Crosby is who Max Crosby is. What about you, Ray? I, I, I don't think I would take him over the two edge rushers uh, that we have on, on the All-22 all team right now as far as Garrett and Crosby are concerned just due to age and injury history. But it wouldn't shock me if this year – he performs above someone like Max Crosby, and that's Daniil Hunter. Uh, we got some feedback about him uh, when first putting out these lists, and really the only thing that was holding him back was the fact that he wasn't on the field very much and has had injuries the last couple of years. He was actually my first non-quarterback ever taken in, all, in an All-22 draft a couple of years back, and then I got burned because then he got hurt and the neck injury and all that stuff. So, But when he's healthy and on the field, he's for sure a top-level player. So um, it wouldn't shock me at all to see him perform to this level, at least for this coming year. He's a couple years older than the guys on the list, so I wouldn't take him above them, but he could outperform them this season. Okay. So the guy that I'll, I'll add to the list uh, is a guy that in two years ago when we did our first ever All-22 draft, uh, legitimate draft, was the guy that I took at the end of the first round. He was really young. I think he was 22 at the time, and that's Nick Bosa. So uh, the top quarterbacks had had gone. I was stuck with you know the older guys like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, and I said, 
I think I'm in a better place if I take one of the elite young edge rushers instead, and I'll get my quarterback on the come around. And that's exactly what I did. And I drafted Nick Bosa. Uh, Nick Bosa hasn't had a year under an 80 grade in his career, in his three-year career, although he did miss significant time due to injury in 2020. Uh, I think that's why he got held off of our list um, as you know, replaced by Max Crosby. But he's a guy that I would feel very comfortable taking ahead of Max Crosby if I was if I was starting a team today. Another guy I'll just throw in there from the same draft year as Nick Bosa is Rashawn Gary, uh, another guy that performed at an extremely elite level last year, didn't, didn't deal with any injuries or anything like that. Um, he had a limited role in his first two years, which is why you didn't see a breakout. I think he had a lot to learn, and he got to learn behind guys like Darius Smith and Preston Smith. But last year when he was asked to take a full role, he created almost a 90 um, so he's another guy that I'm confidently taking, but maybe not above Max Crosby. Yeah, Rashawn Gary quietly in the top 10 highest graded edge rushers. People don't talk about him enough. And I'll be honest, coming out of college, when, when Green Bay drafted him, I was giving you crap, Chris. I did not like Rashawn Gary. Um, mm-hmm. Happy to say that I was wrong. He's he's a stud. Yeah, as a Green Bay fan, you got to get used to like not knowing much about the guys that they draft. I remember... Kenny Clark, I'll never live down Kenny Clark, uh, drafted him like 30th overall when there was other guys on the board that I really liked. And, you know, he's turned out to be a great player. So couldn't agree more. Moving, moving to linebacker, is there anybody you guys would add to the list? I actually don't have one, so I'll let the two of you make an no. attempt. These are my linebackers. Oh, I think Bobby mentioned Fred Werner <clears throat> in the conversation we first went through this. Um Bit bit of a dip in his grade last season. That could just be again just due to the volatility of linebackers, just due to the position and how vulnerable they are to being exploited by offenses. Especially since he does a lot of his work in coverage. Um, but that is still a, a high level player who's a sound tackler at the second level, um, who is good in coverage. So we could see that sort of you know we talk about the ebbs and flows. This could be an up year for him coming up here. Uh, wouldn't shock me at all if he's, again, maybe a top three grader at the position. Position's not very deep, so that might not even be saying much. Yeah. But we've seen him play at that level before, and he can yeah. he can get back there and do it again this year. It wouldn't shock anybody. Fred Warner is good in coverage, but it makes me very nervous to target linebackers in this game that are like coverage linebackers, right? I, I, I really don't want my linebackers getting picked on in, in the pass game. I'd rather get the the, the guys that are good in run defense, like Micah Parsons, like Darius Leonard. That's kind of kind of like one of those layers of strategy that I put into this game is really going after those run stopping or, you know, the guys that are strong in run defense. Yeah, we did. We did. We had a conversation about this because the Packers took a linebacker and I was not happy about it. There hasn't been many first round linebackers that have panned out in recent years. And that's because of what Bobby's saying. They're asked to do a lot, right? These guys are drafted yeah. because they can they can go into coverage, which might be a benefit to the team. But it's hard for those players to be successful at a young age. One of them mm-hmm. that I wanted to just highlight really quick is uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Um, he was a second-round pick, and he did pan out. Um, but he got to play behind a really good defensive line in Cleveland. And that defensive line is starting to kind of deteriorate besides Miles Garrett. Uh, they did bring back Jadavion Clowney, which could help him. Um, but I, I don't know if I would reach on a JOK over a guy like Darius Leonard. But I think next year, if he does play well again, he will definitely be in our conversation for the number two linebacker. 
right? Yeah, moving to moving to corner. Um, I'll I'll start with corner. So there was one guy that didn't grade extremely well as a rookie, but he's a guy that I think showed what he was made of. That he he wasn't afraid of those touch tough matchups. He took on a lot of them, and sometimes it hurt him, but sometimes he really showed what he's capable of. And that's Patrick Sertan. Um, drafted early for Denver. That Denver team's just getting better, and I think more is going to be asked of him. I'm super excited about him. I think, you know, we could see him have like an AJ Terrell type rise next year, where you know he goes from a 66 grade to a to a high 80 or low 90 grade. That wouldn't surprise me at all. And he's also a guy that I think, because of his size, he's 6'2", 200 pounds. He's got 10, 15 pounds on some of the other corners on our list. I could see him lasting really long in the NFL, playing to, you know at an elite level till he's 28, 29 years old which is tough for a corner. It's going to be tough for him to grade well in the AFC West. If he did that in the AFC West, it'd be super impressive. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think he has the skill set. I agree with you. My change to this is to Jair Alexander. Okay. And it's not to replace him with another corner. It's to replace him with a defensive interior. I'm switching this formation from a nickel to a three, four. Again, another layer of strategy that I use in this game is to load up on DIs. Almost every week I'm going with a 3-4, sometimes a 4-3, but very rarely am I going with a nickel set in all 22. Because we talk about consistency in grading and corners, that being the exception, certainly not the rule, it scares me to put three of them on the field. So usually I'm going with a 3-4, and if I'm making a change to this, I am taking Jair Alexander out, and I'm bringing Christian Wilkins in at defensive interior. Young dude, grading better and better every year. Um, love Christian Wilkins, and uh, I love his mic ups too. He's pretty great. Yeah, that's. I mean, you're kind of uh, taking some liberties here with with how you're uh, having this conversation, but but I do I do agree. I think that's a great strategy and something that our users should definitely consider. Co-founder, I can do that. <laughs> The name is uh, – <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to go out on the limb here and go with Derek Stingley. Wow. I uh, just Damn. love love his, his draft profile, assuming he's healthy and none of the injury issues that plagued him late in his college career are long-term issues. Freshman Derek Stingley is simply the best cornerback that has been drafted since Jalen Ramsey, just period. It, it just is. So we talk about the ebbs and flows of the position and the inconsistency – and how it's, you know, it's largely reliant on scheme fit sometimes and what a player is asked to do because the players that can draw a tough assignment and yet perform and execute at a high level against that tough assignment are so hard and rare to come by. That's why Jalen Ramsey's worth so much. Well, Derek Stingley is that type of talent to do that and be that type of player. So health permitting, I might take a chance there and draft Derek Stingley above someone like Jair Alexander. Wow. Wow. So so what are some factors, right? So we're, we're saying that corners have ebbs and flows. What are some factors that might be predictable to predict that? So in my mind, it's the, t- the defense around them, right? So like, edge, do they have edge rushers that can consistently get to the quarterback to lessen the amount of time that they have to be in coverage um, that are going to put some bad throws into the air that the corners can take advantage of? That's my issue with Stingley is he went to Houston and I just don't know what else is there to, to help support him. Whereas like a Sertan, 
has a great defense around him. You know, he has guys like Nick Chubb uh, getting to the pass, getting to the quarterback. It's a concern of mine for sure. It is. If I'm, if you're playing the Texans this, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, right? Mm-hmm. You're just gonna look like, all right, I just won't throw at Derek Singley because I don't have to. I'll just throw at everybody else. Like, and, and then you're gonna be up by a couple scores in the second half anyway, and then just run the ball out. So, uh, um, yeah, I. I, I don't think that's much of an issue. And again, I just think the talent is so high that he's one of those guys that is, is, is not immune because everyone is susceptible to the, you know, the factors around them, but he, he's not reliant on that. He's, he's just good enough to execute what he needs to execute regardless of what's around him. I think he's that type of talent if he puts it together and again, is healthy and the injuries aren't a long-term thing. And they'll okay. get better. They're going to have high draft picks for like a very long time. So you also look at you also look at the teams that they're going to face, right? So like, I forget which one, <clears throat> which player it was on our list here, but I remember looking through his grades, and every time he played a good quarterback, or he played a team with a ton of like you know really talented receivers. Really, his grades kind of dipped a little bit. Those were some of his worst games. So, and then you know you see him go and play teams like Chicago, and he's grading through the roof. So like, I think you got to look at the matchups too, and that's. Like I said before, Chris, that's kind of what scares me about Sertan a little bit. It's like he gets no break, no break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I, corner's a position I'm excited about, though. Like we talked about edge and how deep edge is. Edge has a lot more uh, grading stability, but I think it's exciting to see these young names at corner coming in every year. You know, another guy, Sauce Gardner, we didn't talk about, but Sauce, you know, another really young, exciting corner uh, that could end up surprising us and making this list. Uh, it's it's an exciting position, and it's one that you don't have to like reach on. You can you can wait and you can draft some of these guys because of the instability in the grading. You know, you might end up drafting a guy like Derek Stingley or Sauce Gardner and having them perform at a really high level. So, um, some something to think about. But let's move to safety. Do either of you have a guy in mind at safety? Yes. So I'm pulling Derwin James out at safety. So again, I did say there was some like red flags, right? So if you look at his grades the last three seasons, so his last three seasons that he played, right? So 2018, 88.3, 2019, 82.3, 2021, 78.1. He has gotten worse year over year from a grading standpoint. Um, I did mention that the Chargers would be foolish not to pay him, but the Chargers might see that and they might not pay him. So to think that his situation could change, a little scary to me. I would rather go for a guy like Kevin Byard, who I know is consistent. I've seen him grade well year over year. Um, sometimes even 90 grades. I think we saw a 90-plus grade from him last last season. I think that's a lot more attractive to me later on in, the, in a draft rather than um, taking a chance on someone like Derwin James to try and get back to his 2018 form. That's now, what, four years ago? So, I don't know. That, that makes me a little nervous to put him in this conversation. That's that's a really good point about the uh, team-building perspective from the Chargers. You know, uh, we see guy, uh, teams like the Rams, teams that target high-value positions, pay them as, you know, they don't care about how much they pay them. Um, and then the other positions, they kind of build through the draft with the late picks. Um the Chargers would be paying Derwin James, which is a less valuable position. And, you know, I think we've seen that having an elite safety doesn't necessarily get you deep into the playoffs, right? The Chargers haven't done that yet. 
So will they choose to not pay him and instead, you know, maybe pay, uh, save that money for Justin Herbert, Rashawn Slater, and more valuable positions like that? It'll be fun to follow. Ray, who's your guy at safety? I don't have a strong opinion on, on safety. Um, that differs really from what we have so far. I agree with the, the concerns about Derwin James, um, given the injuries and that contract situation as well. Just, um, you know, if you look at patterns, you know, I think it's, it's, it's fair to mention uh, Jesse Bates. He's kind of a hot topic of conversation, especially up there in Cincinnati. Um, you look at how he's performed and how he's graded since entering the league. It's, it's basically good, bad, good, bad. Is next year good, right? So about 80 graded coming in, 80, 60, 90. Graded low last year, like 56. Is he now due for that, uh, you know, that, that bump to a good grade now um, in kind of his little Jekyll and Hyde um, mold that we've seen so far in his career? Contract year, definitely motivated to get paid. They also drafted Daxton Hill, so another talent over there in, in the secondary that could, you know, could motivate him in a number of ways, right? It could just improve the situation around him to help him perform better. Or he might look at that and go, okay, time to, uh, you know, time to perform and make sure that uh, I give these people a reason to pay me or give someone else a reason to pay me heading into free agency after the season. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I think it's worth mentioning Jesse Bates here. A little inconsistent as we've seen, so I'm not sure he's a top two guy but someone who could be a boon for you this season anyway, at the very least. Yeah. Not a top two guy, but we've seen that he can be, right? And he's, and if he wants to get paid, he's going to have to be this year. You're right. Yep. Sure. The only other guy I'll add is a guy that I don't hear anything about is Winfield Jr. out of Tampa. Dude is going to be 24 this year, and he uh, in only his second season, he had an 89.5 grade. So a guy that's performing at an extremely high level, he hasn't had – um, many bad weeks at all. I think last year, if you look at uh, his week by week, he only had one, two, th- three grades under a 60. Um, so another young guy playing at a very elite level. I think I would probably take him over Derwin James. So something to think about. Also keep an eye on Xavier McKinney. Talk about guys who nobody talks about. But Gotta see it. Gotta see it. That's my <laughs> bias. I mean, he was what, a 76 grade last year, played the whole season. So we're starting to see it. Yeah, for sure. Anything else to add, guys? Uh, any other players you want to throw in here? Or are we good? I'm good. Yeah. This is a solid game. We, we, talk, list. we talked about how much, <laughs> how many points per game our offense would put up, right? How many mm-hmm. points per game would an offense put up against this defense? 23. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two-score game, right? Two-score game for sure. Cool. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, please visit all-22.com to sign up. And we, we're going to keep screening it. Use our promo code, ALL22PFF. Those are all caps, so it's capital A-L-L-2-2-P-F-F. Uh, so, yeah, please do that. And then give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at ALL22PFF. And then leave us a review on our podcast network, uh, YouTube, Apple, whichever platform you listen. Give us a review, um, you know, because that's how we're going to get more people interested and uh, talking about our game. That's it. All right. Thank you, guys. See you next week.